about Comic-Con. My name is always T. Christie. I'm sitting here next to Eddie the Eddie Doty. Literally sitting next to you. And Brian William Benefter. <laughs> Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello. And Trading Amazing Stokes. I couldn't get tickets. Can you guys lend me a <laughs> Oh, the Pro-Reg. It it's, it's been a weird year for the Pro-Reg. We can talk about so that later. So weird. The reason we're talking about Comic-Con is, A, we all have opinions about Comic-Con and experiences, and it's interesting to share them and also to prepare you for the next month of nothing but Comic-Con all the time here on Diff. We're not going to talk about this again. Um, <laughs> and also, there was a, a, a documentary that just came out that Eddie got to go to the premiere of, and we'll be talking about the movie a little bit as well. So, spoilers for Comic-Con. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, I guess we can start with the movie, Eddie. Well, how did you find out about the movie in the first place and end up at the premiere and all that fun stuff? Uh, well, I first heard about the movie, I, I think like a lot of people did, just online. And then, sure enough, Comic-Con 2010, uh, I noticed a story, like a story editor's room at the Marriott right next door to Comic-Con where literally Morgan Spurlock, his entire story crew, were holed up on cots trying to build this thing out. And you would run into the film crew on the show floor that year anyway. But yeah, um, my friend Damien got tickets to the premiere at the Arclight. Uh, it was just before I left, so I think it was like early April. Um, and we, we got to go, and it was, I, it, was a really good, it was a really good experience because A, fucking everyone we love was in that screening. So between... Joss Whedon, Stan Lee, Morgan Spurlock, Felicia Day, the Tantarones, uh, uh, who else was there? MGMT. Oh, Agent Coulson was there. He <laughs> sat apparently by himself uh, three rows back from me. Phil? Which was, yeah, Phil was, Phil Phil was, was there. there. Phil was there. Uh, but a lot of people were there, and it was, um, it was just a really good... I enjoyed the movie greatly as you know, there's, there's things I can nitpick the actual movie about and we'll get into that. But as overall, it was a great movie. And then afterwards we got to go to the after party where we literally um, met pretty much everyone who was in the movie. If you see the documentary, or you've seen the documentary, it follows roughly six people in sort of various different experiences and corners of the convention that year. And so all of them, Holly Conrad, uh, the gentleman who owns mile high comics, all those people were there and I got to meet and talk to pretty much all of them and uh, and Trey will get a kick out of this. I ran into Brent, the star of the Nuts and Menace and the writer of Megamind, at that premiere party. <laughs> nice. um, so and he and I got to catch up a little bit. And um, if you don't understand anything I just said, then we'll get into that later <laughs> I'm sure as well. It. Can I undermine any perceived professionalism or coolness or suavity that we might oh. have with uh, a, a question like, <laughs> did you, yeah, did you, did you get to did you get to talk to like Felicia Day, did you or anything like that? <laughs> Good God. There, well, <laughs> I will just say this. There, Honestly, a, I don't get the Felicia Day thing. Actually, Honestly, I, was thinking, I don't. I was thinking more Joss Whedon, but I figured it would seem she weird. She seems like a nice person. She, yeah, I know she, lots she of nice seemed, people. I felt bad for her because she got sort of like, not catcalled, but like, hey, Felicia, when's Guild 3? You know, like she got a lot of that. Yeah. throughout the she not like herself. just before the movie started rolling she was getting that and then poor girl like the Whedon camp sort of staked out this one corner of the bar and they were just there and so you kind of you <laughs> almost had a like, phalanx around you, yeah the you kind of they were they were entrenched and it's like okay you can't cross the moat unless you know the password um but i will say there's a scene in the movie where you know, all throughout the documentary people various people who have shared who've been to the con from Guillermo del Toro and Joss Whedon all the way down to just random fans give their experiences and their recollection. Joss Whedon gives a, a, a recollection where he ran into, um, gosh, uh, it was a, a very famous comic writer. I think Ron, 
Uh, I forget who, but he ran into one of his comic icons, Mark Wade. He ran into Mark Wade, and then he was like, he became that fanboy kid. Like, <laughs> so, and they were in an elevator together, and he just looked up, and he was there, and Joss got the fanboy panic, and he was like, <laughs> "So you're Mark Wade, you do the cool things in the comic. <laughs> I'm a fan of that." And it was very endearing. And later that night, before I left, I did the exact same thing to Joss, <laughs> and it was I completely lost control overall, like sense of humanity and dignity and i just belted out like like and that was that and and he he just sort of like nodded under knowingly and understandably and just then just said thank you and he's very humble and very nice and and he's like please let me escape here with my life was he in super super skinny modern joss mode dude is yoked like he got he i was yeah he and he's like he's got like definition and shit now it was weird it was like it's like jesus christ when you 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 shed your pudgy shell and became something other than that. But overall, the movie was really good. But we'll go into it. We'll get everybody else's thing. Let's uh, shall we uh, shall we talk a little general Comic Con stuff and then come back to the movie after that? Maybe yes. Just to kind of even sure. it out so someone else can talk. <laughs> I was going to say, Eddie, how do you feel him about on it? <laughs> no, 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 I know, I know. But I was about to ask Eddie, like, well, how do you feel about Morgan Spurlock as a documentary? And, and it's like we're all just sitting here listening to Eddie talk, um, which I'm happy to do. I don't know. I was Eddie. I missed Eddie. Aww. But but that no is touching. that is moving past Comic Con, so right, yeah. Probably... We'll, we'll get more into the film, but we can just start with Comic Con or whatever. I'll do my Comic Con thing. I had never been to Comic Con prior to 2006. I think I came out to visit. Nope, five. I came out to visit LA and see the folks that I knew from on the internet out here. Uh, and I, I I don't remember if it was the Emmy thing or the Volume Two thing. Or for some reason, we went down to San Diego and I saw Comic Con for the first time and sort of just walked around into the dealer room. And that was really interesting and fascinating. And since then, I think I've gone every year. And since then, I don't think I've ever been to a panel. Like, my Comic-Con style is the one that everyone that really goes to Comic-Con kind of hates. Where I'm the guy who walks in the front door and goes to the dealer room and goes, God damn, that's a big room. And I walk around, and I buy a shirt, and I leave. <laughs> like, that's me. <laughs> that's Nothing all. Wrong. And then I walk over to the Tin Fish, and then I pass out. Like, that's sort of my, my style. So I'm not Mr. Comic-Con guy. That said... I go to the steak place, but otherwise, that's my Comic-Con experience. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's either tin fish, rock and lobster, or the field, as I've noticed. And there's nothing wrong with that, though. There's nothing wrong with that experience. And Guillermo del Toro once said, uh, not in the documentary, but he once said, and I agree, Comic Con is a Russian doll. Like if yeah. you uh, you you had the first doll, which yeah. is walk in, holy fuck, walk right out, get people some in food. costumes, watch yes. them walk by. You can go further down into the smaller dolls if you like. And if you oh, were there, if you, yeah, I was going to, no, I, I think that analogy actually does apply because <laughs> yeah. there are more layers to a place oh, yes. like Dragon Con and the, the, the deeper layers are more interesting. Oh, oh you've obviously <laughs> never been to the set of booths behind the mezzanine where there's like a small food court and it's literally the San Diego Furry Society and like all the crazy shit that used to have sway and the dominion over Comic-Con. The stuff that's not on your guidebook. Right, exactly. <laughs> the stuff you have to be a member of Comic-Con to know happening. Yes. Right, like the, the San Diego SCA. <laughs> the and Forbidden like, Forest of Comic-Con. <laughs> the stuff that was front and center in 93, which was my first year there, because back then it was just two halls on the main bottom floor and that was it. And so all that shit coexisted together. So you'd have like the Sailor Moon stuff next to the topless Olivia paintings and they would all just sort of commingle and coexist. Now there's sort of like stratified layers of it's kind of like the end of Gangs of New York. Like you see the two <laughs> graves and then centuries go by and then yeah. suddenly there's two towers. You know, I, I my Comic-Con experience every year is I since 2007, I get in with the pro registration and you usually bring a guest. I, I guess this year they have fewer guest passes than they used to. 
Uh, so it's usually me and someone else goes down for a day and comes back. But I did have an experience with a weird booth thing at the first con I ever went to, which briefly was a thing just for fan films called Fanzillicon in like, oh, five, four, three. I don't remember when yeah, it was. I think four. four. I think four, yeah. four sounds right. Around the, the halfway mark of, oh that, my of God. that decade. Eight years ago. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> seriously. And I remember walking in and I was a, I was a wee... Pudgy little bastard, and I'm um, there with my dad. Dad brought you, right? Yeah. And I walk in the door, and first of all, it wasn't like a. You think of cons, and you think of shit like Comic Con. This was like a. They rented a little indie theater and like a banquet next to it, and put in whatever booths they could get to come. And it was like a guy with a green screen that he would do like the thing where he took out Han Solo's face and you get to be Han Solo in that picture like you see at Disneyland or something and then like a leather booth yeah there was some straight up bondage <laughs> yeah. booths and, yeah. and it, it was so crazy. fucked up because I walked in and that was the first thing I saw and I'm like I'm at the wrong con <laughs> and the way I, I remember like kind of getting close like I'd keep the perimeter and kind of come closer and closer every time like what's going on at this fucking booth because it really was like the th- guy in seven sort of thing where it's like look at all this sex shit what's going on here and like there was a little rack right up front that just had a few like lightsaber holders on it it's like oh you got I see yeah you guys just built those so you yeah. could come here and sell your shit, right? Okay. Anyway, but my Comic Con experience every year is boring. <laughs> he hasn't. <laughs> seen Although this year, like that at well, last well, last night oh, I was yeah, talking. You to, won't see that next to like the legendary booth these days. <laughs> last yeah, last night I was talking with Ryan and Mickey, and I guess this year I'm actually going to make a go of it, and we'll see what happens there. I'm looking forward to it. For me, actually, after having done the Comic Con thing in various different ways. The past couple of years, I guess I didn't go two years ago, but I ended up going last year. Brian and I went, mm-hmm. and we we kind of like we went to sort of the the rough guide to Comic Con because we both went. We had no passes, neither one of us. We just had a line on people we could snag a pass from. Yeah, I and, miss those days. And we just showed up and like you know started making cell phone calls and and ended up with like eighteen people came out to give us passes. You know, by the time because <laughs> you make all those calls and, and then suddenly you're overloaded with passes. But yeah, it was, uh, I don't know about you, but that's my plan for this year. Uh, well, I, actually, strangely enough, I I have Are a you... pass I didn't even have to try this year. After, oh. It was weird after all the everyone was talking about, um, you know, oh, the, 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 I've never done a VIP pass. Um, I said, I guess I probably could. So, and everyone last week was here was talking about, oh, the VIP passes, oh, it's all messed up. And everyone's talking about passes. And I was like, just literally, I was, I was thinking, oh, I should probably look into this and maybe actually get a pass this year in case I want to go. Um, Gabe said, oh, I got you a pass for Comic Con. So it's <laughs> like, I find I have a, I didn't have to think about it, which is how I normally do. I've never, actually, I've never life. actually, I've never actually, I've never actually gotten myself a pass for Comic Con. It's always been something, you know. I'm either there for a reason, and they go, "We'll get you a pass," and then they just give it to me. I've never actually had to get it myself. I've been going for ten years. But uh, Comic Con is the equivalent of your streets. Exactly. I mean, it's like you want me to come you to Comic Con? Give me a pass. I'll get there. Um, but uh, what I was going to say is, after having done, you know, don't gone. Some years I got, went to a lot of panels, and some years I had to be on freaking panels, and some years I had to be in, you know, award shows and all that kind of stuff. It's a rough life. I know. Yeah, oh, I know. Poor Trey. <laughs> well, I know. It's, it's really, it's, it's a pain in the ass. I mean, like, <laughs> from, from the outside, I'm sure it looks wonderful, but it's just a big, for me, going to Comic-Con, I was like, oh, God, I have to go to Comic-Con and stay, be on stage again. It's like a big grind. And uh, last year when we went, it was just like we went... And literally just went in, walked around the floor a little bit, looked at cool stuff, saw women in you know hot costumes, went and had dinner, and I was like, all all you other poor suckers going to <laughs> going to those god awful panels and shit. I dodged a bullet. I felt like I was watching a train wreck from That's a distance. The- like I was almost on that bus. Honestly, and- I've, I'm at this point. I'm the same way. I've I've gone to panels. I don't think I've ever done a panel at Comic Con, but I've been to Dragon Con many times and done other cons and gone to panels. And sometimes panels are worth your time, but. I can't imagine the thing that I would wait like eight hours in line, yeah. like wait all day to yeah. see this one thing 
and hear these people talk. No, it, no, 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 no. And yet, Not strangely, all. people do that. Well, mm, it does happen. I and God bless you, I guess, but. No, thank you. The, the The point of it, I think, is is just focused aggression. Like you find the one thing that you okay, that I yeah. really do want to see, and so that I will invest. That will be my time sink, and I will invest a few hours for that one thing. But I never, I never liked the daisy chain panels. I never, and this is it's surreal for me because the whole concept of panels is a relatively new one. Uh, there were panels always at Comic Con, but usually it'd be like at a different hotel or they didn't open up that top floor until like sort of the late nineties, uh, for panel discussions. Um, but when did you start going? 93. 93. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. The next year will be my 20th year at comic con straight all the way through. And, um, and what's crazy is like, I always, I always, every other person I talk to like, Oh, comic con sucks. Now it's just all these doofuses and twilight moms. And it's like, (laughs) okay, hold on. That's what everyone says, depending on whenever you started. And it's like all the, all the good stuff about you should have been there back in the day. And especially I love hearing people say that you should have been back here in like 2002. That was when it was (laughs) It's like, bitch, I was back there in 93 when you were, but before you came here and ruined it. Right. And and (laughs) just like there's some grumpy old dudes who were there long before my snot nose ass showed up. And, Mm -hmm. and like there were people there. The point is, is that, when I was my first year, there was twenty four thousand people at Comic Con. Those twenty four thousand people are still there every year. There's just a hundred thousand other idiots there too. The, and all the things that I loved about Comic Con then are still there. And there's some new stuff there that's still cool too to check out. Um, and it's not just it's not just the panels, and it's it's just the whole atmosphere. It's about a city like San Diego that sort of welcomes it for better or for worse with open arms um <laughs> that, that, honestly that juxtaposition is one that i still find fascinating because conservative san diego and yeah, like, yeah. I mean, especially for you know southern california and los angeles specifically it just has this reput- reputation this style of oh it's crazy southern california which san diego is not san diego is a navy town it's a military town and it's but within this like little enclave of republicanism in southern california is this smaller enclave of just well, see, we crazy. Need to, you need to check the you need to check the schedule for the convention center because it's not like the place is empty the other fifty one weeks of the year. It's like right. they well, have all kinds of weird stuff comes kind of. and fills that convention. <laughs> my, my wife and I were down there for my birthday two years ago, and we were, we just walked through Gas Lamp, and I'm like, oh, let's go to the Embarcadero behind the convention center because this is nice. It's a nice, lovely thing. There was a convention there for like medical equipment or something. It took yeah. up exactly <laughs> one of the halls, like Hall C, I think. There were people there, but it, it was weird, man. It's so weird being down there when there's not Comic Con because it's At, just like it's just a ghost town. And you're yeah, like just comparatively just upstairs, just people vacuuming. Yeah, exacting. <laughs> I was just at uh, WonderCon. What was it last month? Yeah. I guess whenever it was in in Long Beach, and I swear to God, whatever guy did this, he did it on purpose. I swear to God, scheduled a cheerleading convention alongside <laughs> WonderCon. So nice. there are cheer like little like high school cheerleaders walking in, over tanned and short skirts and everything. Walking past, you know, the Over Mass Effect three and the Twilight Girls and, and yeah, like right, yeah. Nice. Uh, Frank in the chat room asked, uh, which is more exhausting, Coachella or Comic Con? I've been to quite a few Coachellas where Coachella is more physically punishing yeah. because it's out in the sun and it's just nonstop and there's you know beer and all this other stuff involved. But anyway. Um, Burning Man, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Burning Man. Trey can speak truth to power on that one. I, so. I went to Burning Man three years in a row, like ten years ago. And if yeah. I ever go again, I'm going to be one of those. You know, oh, they've totally ruined Burning Man now. Right, <laughs> but back in the day, it was awesome. Well, and I think that's, and I think that kind of speaks volumes to the experience because I think the experience is different. And I think, I think I got in at the right moment at 15 years old in 2000 or 93, and then here I am 34, and it's as I've grown, Comic Con has grown and evolved, and as my tastes have varied and changed. So, what Comic Con is 
the Comic-Con experience has evolved as well. On one hand, it's a great place to network. On another hand, it's a great place to meet up with old friends that you don't get to see that often. Uh, it's a, it's a great city to just hang out in after hours. And, uh, it's a great, you know, there, and at, once in a while you get to see some cool shit. One of the, like the panels I really like are the ones that are a little bit more niche, like seeing Will Wright speak, uh, yeah. for an hour was fucking awesome and like inspirational and, and educational. And it was great and it wasn't packed. It wasn't particularly hard to get into. You just walked in and you get to experience this stuff and there's whatever your interests are, you can, can sort of find a place. And I think that's what the film was getting at was sort of trying as best as it could to convey these multi-layered stratified experiences that coexist at the same time for, you know, a variety of different, uh, of interest. Yeah, it is. It's such a huge thing. It's like, you know, people say, Oh, I went to Burning Man and it was awful. I went to Burning Man and it was fantastic. Well, both are true. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you can, you know, like you said, it's Comic-Con is so huge. You can, you can get all kinds of experiences out of it. Dork man. Yes. You don't often drink Comic-Con, but when you do, what do you prefer? <laughs> um, How do you con, man? Well, the first time I went to Comic-Con was probably, I don't know, 2005, maybe earlier. I honestly don't remember what what the first year was that I went. Um, but it was back before before it like seriously exploded. Like now, the very first day tickets go on sale, they sell out. And the first time that, that uh, Ryan and I went to Comic-Con, it was literally... We were sitting around and we had nothing to do, and we're like, "Comic Con's this weekend, isn't it? Let's go!" <laughs> and so we did, and you could still totally get in. There were tons of tickets still available, and you could just pull up, you could just roll up to it and go in. <laughs> and uh, you know, and uh, uh, since then we've we've gone pretty much every year. But um, it's gotten to the point, and I think the last couple of years have been really interesting because I would go to panels and stuff like that of movies I was re- interested in just because they typically they'll release trailers and stuff sure but they'll release new you know f- new information new s- sh- scenes and they'll have the filmmakers there talking about it which can be fascinating or can be incredibly inane um <laughs> depending um and so that's always fun used to be that we'd stake at Hall H is the big hall yeah um the where, big where the hall. yeah where the major stuff happens and it used to be we'd stake out a day where we're like, okay, there's like five things happening in Hall H, so we'll just go camp out in Hall H on Saturday. So and you the, were the, the ones that started days. it. And the other days <laughs> are the ones that we're, where we're going to be, hey, we, we have to sit through Twilight and stuff like that, so it's punishment <laughs> enough to get to our... Because that's the, that's the secret to Hall yeah, H for just, people who are going. Just sit there. Go to the ones, like, pick out the, the one that you want to go to and go three... You know, three panels before that that nobody really wants to go to because that's how you get in, and then you just sit there because they don't clear out Hall H in between. My God, why? Why would anybody do that? Well, because what else are you going to do? You've got you've got the three other (laughs) days. Go go to the guest lab district and have one of those great steaks. Yeah, there's seriously great restaurants all over the city, but also we do that afterwards. Be prepared to stab somebody in the eye. Apparently, as well now too. But lately, we were there when that happened too. We were in the room. Oh yeah, I was there. But. and like the next day, people had costumes that were making fun of it. Yeah, I'm, it, it my people. Someone should tell this story for those of us like me we, who don't know what okay, the hell I'll you're talking it. about right now. We were, uh, but yeah, it's but it's come to the point, and I think um, I'd be interested. Like, there's this there's this documentary. I'm almost interested in another documentary, kind of charting 
the way that that Comic Con has kind of developed and grown in its relationship. Because Comic Con was there creators. for Star Wars in the first place, right? Yeah. But but that was weird because it's a comic book convention, or so it was yeah. once. It still is, it and still I'm gonna is, I'm but, gonna put that out there. But that, it still, still is. is. But that's but that's I know that's one of the old timer complaints is that Hollywood has ruined Comic Con by turning it into their big like. But now Hollywood, yeah. but now Hollywood's backing off because of the failure of things like Good. Scott Pilgrim and stuff like Good. that. Yeah. And so so no, it's no, literally I, I, Avengers. It's back on. Now. Yeah, it's on like Donkey Kong again, again yeah. now. Well, yeah, we'll see, yeah. but I mean, I mean, they didn't. Last year was a bit smaller than previous. Well, last year was yeah, smaller, and this smaller. year they're releasing Dark Knight Returns before Comic Con, yeah. as opposed to the week of or the week after. Well, and that yeah. more has to do with Nolan just wanting to keep people to keep their fucking mouths shut about the movie, sure, and stuff yeah. like sure. That, you know what I mean. So, yeah. but, no, but they, the they, then they can that, talk about it afterwards. Exactly. It's, it's so, been over the past over the past decade that Hollywood has discovered. Comic Con as a marketing tool, which definitely changed the the face of it mm-hmm. tremendously. Right, and it's like used to be like, oh, maybe you got a movie that's maybe comic related, or maybe we'll have some crossover with that kind of market. Go down and open up a booth. Now it's like the big presentation where huge things are planned for Comic Con to talk about a big movie that they're trying to promote. Well, if I mm-hmm. may, I can I can I can track sort of the benchmarks of how the fuck all this shit happened. Okay, because uh, that was it, that was what you call setup. Yeah, and, <laughs> and here we go. Yeah, and, someone uh, who's been going yeah, for twenty years might expound on what. What, I just what a said. great setup! I'm going to set things up now. No. <laughs> what a, what, I'm, I'm, I'm 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 smooth if nothing else. Um, <laughs> yeah, see when I do subtext a good, when I do a handoff, you're not supposed <laughs> to acknowledge. <laughs> no, it's more of just my own. Anyway, um, I'm I'm on three hours sleep. Uh, so ninety three, it went from these people are freaks and they're doing some mm-hmm. freaky weird thing. And Pastor mm-hmm. Macman in the chat asked how it ended up in San Diego. It's always been It's there. always been there. It's yeah. been around for 40 years. Keep that in mind. It's been around for 40 years and there's always been comic conventions everywhere. The question is how did how San did Diego, Diego Comic-Con yeah. become yeah. Yeah. Comic-Con? Yeah. Well, San Diego became Comic-Con because San Diego's lovely. It, <laughs> San Diego's lovely. Yeah. It's during the summer and so for a lot of big store owners and collectors and retailers it's like, you want to go to San Diego for the summer? Sure, why not? The, Los Angeles has always been a huge comic market comparatively to other markets, and and why not? And it just over years it started gravitating there. And the the thing that the Star Wars being previewed back in '76, I think, was part of that, and that and sort of became like, wow, you know, they showed Star Wars like a, some Star Wars stuff a year before it came out. Well, let's go to San Diego, and then it built to the largest con, and by the largest con, I mean twenty five thousand people or so. I was going to conventions at the Glendale Convention Center, which were like maybe 300 people. There's the L.A. convention that they have once a month. That's always been going on forever. But San Diego was always sort of like, okay, we build to this or we build to Emerald City or we build to, you know, the East Coast equivalent. But San Diego over time just kept stacking and stacking and stacking. 93, it was look at those freaks. It was just, you know, it was all their sort of shit that they're into. The first year I noticed... Hollywood start to, you know, entwine its tentacles was 98 when Blade came out. Mm. And Blade hadn't come out yet, but it was like right it was right around the time of Comic-Con that it was coming out. But every year there is the Masquerade, uh, which is if with by the way, if you go to Comic-Con for nothing else, <laughs> go to the Masquerade. It is fun on so many levels on both encouraging and celebrating and mocking the fuck out of people all at once and it's it's just it's a lot of fun you it's kind of like it's almost like the rocky horror midnight screening of comic-con in a lot of ways but the masquerade was sponsored by blade the movie and we're like all right also that same year uh mark ryan burnett and robert or whoever came with free enterprise they showed the first trailer for free enterprise at comic-con that year same time richard hatch uh showed oh yeah his five minute battlestar trailer that he had been working on that 
for, I remember seeing that at Fanzilla. That, yeah, he, it was he, like, came, he was at Fanzilla. He would go wow. anywhere. He came to Fanzillicon with that. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He, he Richard should, Hatch goes to everything. He premiered yeah. it. He premiered it at Comic Con that year, and it was like, holy fuck! Like that's and so around that time, Comic Con started becoming from those freaks to like indie tastemakers. You know, sort of like similar how you would like break certain bands on college campuses just to get a feel for how they would perform across the country. 2000 when X-Men became a huge thing that was when it's like alright now we're going to start the, the studios are going to start showing stuff 2002 is when they started showing um, clips from Spider-Man and things of that nature that was when I really noticed like wow there's like 75,000 people here now like it's the last and even prior to the Hollywood stuff more and more friends I had would show up at Comic Con I'd see them there and I'm like wait a minute what's going on here the normal people are showing up to this thing and um, or undercover nerds or however you want to sort of describe <laughs> them people who aren't really into comics are here just because they like being around cool shit. That was when I started noticing it. And then 2002 was my last year of like, I've got to rummage for a, a badge and I've got to meet some guy out here, like a drug deal to get my badge in. And my girlfriend at the time, we snuck into um, Spider-Man two. And then there was like one or Spider-Man. And there was one other movie that was premiering uh, that they were showing a sneak peek of. And then 2004, I remember Damien, my friend Damien and I, who Damien has been going for a while too we noticed like, wow, they're like blatantly marketing shit to us. There's yeah. a Harold and Kumar giant white castle burger <laughs> that you can climb inside of and get a photo of. And that was when I started noticing like the marketing traps that were really, by this point, were like, okay, Hollywood is now all about us. I would still see all the same collectors. I would still see all the same people at the booths. Um, there's a gentleman in the movie who is the owner of Mile High Comics. And if you go to the con, they have the largest comic booth at the, against that back wall and every Sunday that thing gets just fucking bum rushed because that's usually when he slashes his prices. That's usually when I blow the last of my money. And um, and he noticed, like, he even says in the movie, it's like, God damn it, I used to be able to come through the rear entrance. Now I can't because all the studios have their satellite feed hookup trucks back there so they can show uh, you know Steven Spielberg and everything. He's like, we used to own this place. Now we don't anymore. I, I to a degree, disagree, or to a degree, disagree with that, but... Um, but that was when I noticed, like, wow, like, okay, the Sony booth is larger than the DC booth. The Capcom booth is larger than, like, the the Image Comics booth. You know, there are still large booths for, like, Oni Press and all these indie comics. But that was when I really started to notice the sea change. And by 2006, it just it's it had morphed and it had exploded into this thing that we now know. And that was when, our, you know, mainstream news press was picking up on it and sort of conveying the, the message of, uh, this is where you have to be every summer, people. And sure enough, people have been selling it out ever since. You can't buy your next year's passes at the con like you could back then and not have to worry about it. Like now you have to register and all this other shit. There's a whole so, weird well, – yeah. and they changed it this year. There's this entirely new, more complicated well, system. Everybody keeps saying that, but like I got my pass no problem. Like for whatever reason, like I didn't have to re-register this year and it just – they sent me my badge and everything is great, oh. but that's weird. Anyway. Yeah, for for everyone, they were like you have to sign up for a member ID now and you have to do this whole thing and go through this whole process. And then at the end, they're like that was just – that's for later. Now you have a number. You now yeah. you have your member yeah, ID. Yeah. You will tell you when it comes. And then and then you like for for the pro badges. It's like we would get like eight mails where yes. uh, mailings where and they every were single like, one of them was like for everyone but you. Yeah, the the, t- the tickets are going on sale tomorrow. Be ready, blah, blah blah. Not for pros though, so it's all right. And then and then it'd be you know it'd be the early purchases, and then it'd be like Press. we still got we get still got some left, and then oh we fucked it up, so we're opening it up to sell for some more, and then it's press, and then finally. Just this innocuous, like, oh, pro registration's open. It's like, what? This. <laughs> I have to run to my computer now. Yeah. Yeah, Comic Con is crazy, dude. I, I still, I'm trying to figure out why I go. 
<laughs> every, every time I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. It's a lemming-like thing, you know. It's yeah. Like, that was it was the thing last year. It was like we went to to meet some people. Yeah. yeah. And and it's like yeah, but it's like we're we're drawn to Comic Con, but it's like but there's nothing there that other. I, I want to go to that steak place across the street again. <laughs> That's all I want. The tin fish, man. For, I'm for me, yeah, tin fish is, is is also another good choice. But uh, for me, it's very field. much it's that like I want to walk around the floor for about an hour and yeah, and maybe then I want to get at the hell out of there. Yeah, maybe run into a couple people, but most of the people that I hear are here already. Right, so yeah. what the. But yeah, I want to walk around the floor for a little while and then get the fuck out of there. At this point, it's true. So there's um, some friends of ours, uh, Travis Bowles and, yeah. and them, who come out from Texas. Um, I mainly go to hang out with them at this <laughs> point because they come out. And they may not come out this year, so I'm not sure I'll go <laughs> right. if they don't come out, to be honest. so. Well, I mean, it's just, again, your your experience, uh, I, the benefit of, of going so many years is that I have different things I can always sort of fall back on. Like if I just, my friend Sean, who comes with me every year, he's much similar to Trey. He'll step on the show floor, like, okay, I'm going to go drink now. But even <laughs> so, we find our own sort of things to do. Um, my buddy, uh, Sean Baby from Crack.com, uh, another good friend of mine is Sean Smith, who owns SeanMulls.com, uh, which is like a plush toy. They also have like an iPhone game. They're like popular like toy designer. Um, my buddy Phil Gonzalez from Blizzard, we do this thing every year. I don't because I can't draw, but we do. We go to the Tin Fish, we drink, and they do Monster Off, where they draw monsters, and then they hypothesize skill set and who can battle. We, You come up with your own sort of nerd traditions to do there, just because, or you can at least, because you're just sort of, you're in, for a while, for a long time, Comic-Con was like, you know, it's like this is where we can sort of be that. Exactly. It's weird now because it's because we have sort of geeks have sort of taken over the world in many respects. It's it's you don't have to be ashamed about knowing what a natural twenty is. You know, you yeah. don't have to be ashamed about um, you know playing Ultima online, although you should be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, but, it's very true I, because uh, I've I've been I I only went to Comic Con for the first time in since I moved out here, but I've been going to conventions in general since i was a kid and yeah when i was a kid in the early 90s it was that was that was the quality i was okay i'm gonna go here where everybody else is weird in the same way i am weird and so i don't feel bad about being weird i'm gonna go to my geek speakeasy my geekeasy (laughs) yeah basically uh and that's that quality is not is not present in our society at large anymore so it's it's changed i think the nature of conventions in general but comic-con definitely yeah this is this is no longer like Comic-Con is no longer a celebration of the counterculture. It's the touchstone of the culture. Yeah. You know, so. Brian? Yes, sir. What is your favorite thing that's ever happened to you at Comic-Con? Like, what's the story that's like, when, okay, that's the fucking cool thing that happened at Comic-Con. Either something that's wacky that you saw or a weird hijink thingy that you ended up in or anything like that? Well, at Comic-Con specifically? Because, I mean, I don't... I well, I know Eddie has nine of them, and I'm just trying to <laughs> not stack the 20 deck years here. worth of stories. Uh, do you have anything just crazy or, or no? Well, I haven't actually spent that much time at Comic-Con. I mean, like the first year that we went, it was at least that I went, we didn't even go inside. We just went to that Mystery Science Theater thing. Remember that? Oh, yeah. That, that was, was 2008. Yeah, that was... Wow. Um, I remember that, yeah. I think I went in. I don't remember. Uh, I, I think I remember like abandoning you guys just in the gas lamp. Um, anyway, last year, for instance, um, I, we were walking towards the back of the hall, and I, I start hearing this, uh, step aside, really <laughs> loud, guy yelling, screaming. And he's, as, as like, I start seeing the crowd, you're, they're fucking nerds, what are they're they going to do? Stepping aside. They all just start <laughs> stepping aside. And uh, it's a really big, tall guy in, like, a crazy, not quite Star Wars, not quite anything else costume thingy with, a, like, a cane spear that he's walking, like, you know, bring out your dead. Like, step aside, Chewbacca! 
and and it's Peter Mayhew being pushed on a wheelchair and looking like just kind of confused and amused and and sad, just being like he's being pushed through Comic Con on a wheelchair and a guy's walking around in front of him. Step aside, <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> and I just I looked at him and I was like, oh, buddy. Now that's not to be confused. Was there an Ewok next to him blowing through the, no, the horn? No, but at Celebration <laughs> Two in Indianapolis in '03 or whenever that was. I did round a corner at the same time Kenny Baker was rounding a corner in the opposite direction, and I did almost kill him. <laughs> he did run face first into my hip and go down, <laughs> and then he cussed at me like a sailor, and then I laughed. Did he go, <laughs> <laughs> did, he, did he curse you in any way? Did oh, he, okay. no, he didn't curse me. He didn't like you know burn my burn my remains See, over a copper bowl or anything. But no, he was he was just like you fucking eyes. Look at what you doing. I'm like I'm sorry, R2. <laughs> Now see, this didn't happen. See, that's at, what he—that's what R two's always saying. We just yeah. don't understand. Yeah, it. We just, it was just beeps and whistles. He's just being, yeah, he's being censored. That's all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this didn't happen. But no, at, he didn't go. <laughs> it didn't happen at uh, Comic Con, but it happened at the first Dragon Con I went to, which was 2005. Which was—I uh, might have told this story before, but my friends had spotted Space Ghost. The guy who did the voice for Space Ghost. And they were really excited, and so as a whole group, my friends were—and I never watched the show, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to follow my friends, I guess. But they saw him walking across, and they were taking off after him, and I'm just kind of in the back going, all right, whatever. And we happened to walk by the table of Dick Gordon, who was the command module pilot of Apollo 12. And it was like, it's if you've ever seen that Simpsons episode where they go to the sci-fi convention, and they do a joke where Neil Armstrong is in the corner, and like his agent is trying to get people to come over and go, people, people, this man has actually been in outer space. And Edna Krabappel goes, ha, nobody cares. That's what this Punch was. That, that was exactly what this was. Is just this man who has actually been to the moon and back, and nobody gave a crap at all. And it because it's me because I I you know love that sort of thing. I saw his name and instantly just like, holy shit! Did you run up you. and ask him to sign your salad dressing or something? <laughs> my salad dressing? I was just picking something random that you would whatever ask someone to sign. Have. Oh, that I, whatever I had yeah, on my. You sign my salad dressing? No, but I I went up and I got to. Talk to one of my heroes completely randomly, um, and he was probably like, "Oh God, thank you, someone wants to." Talk I, to I mean, I don't think he he gave a shit, but he was like, "Oh yeah, somebody actually knows who the hell I am. That's cool." And I, and my friends kept going wherever the hell they were going. I was like, "Okay, I have no idea where my friends went, but uh, yeah, completely, totally randomly managed to run into and talk to one of my heroes." Mike so and Trey, cool. any amusing anecdotes? <laughs> Um, I'm sure you guys, you and Ryan, get recognized when you yeah. walk in a, as a couple. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I and we we, it's not like we're just like oh you know it's we're being re-, like we dress as we do in the videos <laughs> deliberately. Oh. At least one day. Oh, at yeah. least one day of the you're con. Trying to get you're doing some cosplay. <laughs> at least one day of the con. That's we, pretty. We lame. cosplay as ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should cosplay as each other. Oh See what happens. I th- we thought about you that. You should wear the blue shirt. It's kind of funny. And- but um. I I don't know because but we have actually but do people like walk up and go oh my god you're Ryan versus Dorkman yeah. oh yeah they want to take pictures and stuff not a lot like we're not getting swamped all day like please no pictures you know like we need the <laughs> yeah. make way guy make to, way. to make fucking... way Ryan versus Dorkman <laughs> you also taught the film school that one year though right? a couple years yeah. actually yeah. the 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 Comic Con film school I happened to work with um, on one of the the jobs I was on um, for you know six months or so. Um, I happen to work with the VFX editor on that is also the guy who runs the, the, the Comic-Con Film School. So he asked me to be a panelist on it. So I was a panelist um, for a couple of years. He may ask me uh, again. I took last year off because much as uh, Trey was talking about, it's like that's 
that's really cool, and it's cool to be able to say that, like you're on a panel at Comic Con. But at the same time, it's in the morning. Yeah, you know. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, really, I'm at, I'm on vacation, but I have to get up because this starts at eight, and then I gotta go, you know, walk down there, and it's because it's not in the main hall; it's it's off to the side in the Marriott. It's or off, off or Broadway. It yeah, and uh, yeah. you know, it's it's nice and it's fun but it's like i would like my mornings <laughs> yeah for this year you i told get him, a cup of coffee like breakfast mornings. buffet something like that exactly so mm-hmm. um uh but but i have done that and it is fun i mean they have the film school they have the film festival so that's that's also a very um that's a, a cool outreach or uh outcropping of um the fact that it's become a little more film centric because mm-hmm. more film interested people go there and you know right. they they talk about fan film type stuff Obviously, but but they also they also uh, you know Trey actually yeah I mean they they they, met on the in in Hall H yeah (laughs) after a fan film award show it's you know kind of a six degrees of separation thing because a lot of the people on the panel have worked with bigger people and then they meet them you know after the the uh, film school and stuff like that so it's it's kind of cool like you say it's a it's a neat networking uh, place to be as well can I tell you my favorite Comic Con story that ever happened to me that hasn't happened to me yet but it will Uh, yeah I want to go to a bar in San Diego the night after the voice actors panel and just happen to find all the voice actors getting drunk together in a corner and sit next to them and quietly drink and love what I'm hearing. (laughs) Because every time I hear any two voice actors on a podcast or anything like that get together or even watching videos of the panels on YouTube, it's just like, I love those guys so much. I love love what they do. I love their characters. I love the way they talk to each other. And when they all get together, they get really filthy and funny and they do it in cartoon voices and the rapport is so amazing. I just want one time to be at the bar and then over there are like all the guys and it's Rob Paulson, it's Mola Marsh and Billy West and all those guys and, and DiMaggio and the guys, all the guys doing their thing. And I'm just like, this is so cool. Hasn't happened to me yet. Cool story. I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of pool, pool in this industry, story. sir. Cool fantasy, but yeah. I, we might be able to make that happen this year. Because my buddy Scott is my buddy Scott is the um, my buddy Scott is the casting director for for uh, Futurama and for King of the Hill and a lot of those other stuff. So he's usually doing something like that when and last year we didn't even see each other because he was so busy doing exactly what you were saying. So I'm going to Comic Con. <laughs> now you have a reason to go. Trey, you have anything wacky? I probably my most memorable Comic Con experience was the first year um, that I went, which would have been 2003. I'm thinking um, maybe two. Whatever year that Pink Five was nominated for was in the Lucasfilm because the Lucasfilm does the fan film awards there or did except in years when they had a celebration and they would do it at celebration uh, which is another which celebration is like Comic-Con but it's only Star Wars so it's also its own kind of insanity but uh, yeah <laughs> dude but uh, but also kind of you know interesting in, in its way too and, and fun but uh, but so it was like uh, and the and, you know we're in this we're in the the Lucasfilm fan film awards contest and and uh, and they said, and the and the winner will be announced at a, at an awards thing at Comic Con. And I was like, Comic Con was it? Oh, it's in San Diego. That's not that far. Maybe we'll just maybe we'll actually go to that. So we ended up, you know, going. So and they gave us passes. You know, they said, you know, we'll, if you go, we'll, we'll arrange passes for you. So, um, all right, yeah, why not? So so, just not knowing anything about Comic Con really at all, and walking in and going. Wow, this is this is a big deal. This is a large thing. <laughs> oh, uh, this this is a thing. I didn't is, realize. This oh, is the a humanity. Thing. Yeah, this is this is quite something, really. And then to go to the Lucasfilm Awards, which was only like the second year they were doing them, and you know, it was in Hall H, and and I think it was Hall H, and that's uh, full of people. And, and, Ballroom twenty. Oh, is that Ballroom yeah. twenty? Yes, thank you. Ballroom twenty. Ballroom um, twenty. Not quite as big as Hall H, but big. Six thousand. Yeah, six thousand. Yeah, 
three thousand, yeah, something three to four. Something two like people, that. five people. Yeah, two know. people, five people, and it was full. And um, not to mention the fact that there was a the, something that happened is you know, of course that was on Adam Films or Adam Film at the it was called, which became Adam and now has become nothing, but um, <laughs> become just uh, you know a little adjunct of Comedy Central now. But but um, they, there was a whole thing in the the way it was set up is every the way that they're the page of Adam would automatically update every morning at 8 a.m. Um, and so obviously what they would do is they would set a template the night before and then they would update. Um, that morning, the morning of the awards, um, the Adam page updated and it had announcing the fan film award winners. Brink, and they were all there <laughs> um, for about an hour until they went, Gah! and they took it all down. <laughs> um, and so it said that Pink Five had won the George Lucas Award that morning, the morning before that the, the, the actual awards were being announced at the big ceremony. Um, and uh, I went to Comic-Con, uh, and, and that was the first time I ever met John Hudgens in person. Oh, we cool. knew each other online from, uh, from, uh, from the Force.net, and he had, a, he had whatever film he had that year was in contention, whether it was Crazy Watto or whichever one of his movies was also in the, in the awards. Probably Darth Vader's Psychic Hotline. That's, yeah, that would be the, probably yeah. that one. And, uh, and so we met in person for the first time, and then moments after we met, Steve Sansweet comes walking by. <laughs> and John said, hey, so, uh, Steve, what was that deal with the, uh, the Adam page this morning? Because you know, cause, cause John had told me, check the Adam page right now, right now, right now. And sure <laughs> enough, there was grand prize winner, pink five. <laughs> and I was like, huh. Um, and Steve said, oh, that was, yeah, they were doing, it was like a, des- a, a template page, like a test, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I don't think so. So, <laughs> I, so then we go to the actual award show, and it's this huge thing. And the whole time I'm going, I'm pretty sure we win this. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're going to win this. I can't think of any conceivable explanation why an entire page announcing all the winners and all the categories would have appeared this morning on Adam Film unless that was the page that they had ready and they just jumped the gun and put it online. Or they changed their minds. Exactly. <laughs> so I, the whole time I'm going, I think we're going to have to go up there and like accept the award for grand prize, which kind of put a weird spin on the whole thing. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I've got some weird insider information. And then sure enough, and so... So to be able to go up and like, you know, now I not only am I sitting in a room full of 4,000 people who are that into fan films, then to have to go on t- to the stage and face them all on a podium and go, hello. <laughs> um, Very which, nice to meet you. Yes. But, but people the, were cheering your film. That's Which like is another, crazy. Yeah. So, so, the really, so the really the fun part of it was um, it wasn't so much for me because I'm like, this is kind of weird if, if we're actually going to win. But, of course, um, you know, my co-creator of the project, uh, Ms. Amy Earhart, had no idea about any of those things. I didn't tell her about that. I didn't say, hey, so there was this thing that happened on Unfilmed. Didn't tell her about that. Because I thought, right. you know, why put that in her head and make her, you know, be wondering what that means? Right. I'll just be my own thing. But I just like, I think, I think, I think we're going to win this. <laughs> I think we're actually going to win this. So the, actually the, the moment of it for me was when, when they're ready to announce it, I looked at her. And I actually got to like real time see her like reaction, and she was like she was she went full on deer in the headlights, and I was <laughs> and I was I had to literally like physically like pick you know grab her from her chair and go, we're going up there now. <laughs> you have to remember Let's English. Go. <laughs> Let's go. We're going up. Nice. And I pretty much just put her in front of the podium and let her say whatever she was going to say. And I was like, that's that. So that was the that was the most memorable, certainly just because of the the novelty of all of that right. and so on. I had a peripheral moment. At Celebration 2, because Trey and Amy were there for the thing I think you're talking about in the first half of that story. And I guess, for some reason or another, you knew to walk through the little celebrity hall where you give them two pennies and they sign your paper to Le Parmentier? Is that, is that his name? Richard Parmentier? Richard, Richard Parmentier. Parmentier. 
the guy who really don't try to it. don't try to scare us with your sorcerer's ways, yeah. Lord Vader guy. The only guy who ever crossed Darth, Darth Vader and didn't die, right, is his claim to fame. And I'm just sort of like walking. I'm like trailing behind like a moron, like behind Trey and Amy and Terry, you know, whoever else was there. And Terry wasn't with us, but uh, wasn't there that time? No. So I'm, I must be mixing up memories, but uh, I'm just sort of like looking around, like, hey, there's Billy D. Williams. Man, he got rolled under a bus. Look at that guy. Anyway, and I'm walking like just down these people that I kind of recognize. And all of a sudden, like, there's a line of people in front of Parmentier or however you say his name. That guy. Sorcerer's Ways. And yes. he, like, glances up to his right and sees Trey and, like, jumps over the table like a leprechaun <laughs> yeah. and, like, gives he, him a hug. He just stood up and he was like, hey, you guys. He recognized. He, he, you know. And I guess he, he, he one way, like, wanted to keep talking while he was signing things for, the, like, the line of people that were in front of him. So Trey and Amy end up going back behind the table. And I'm just... I don't remember where I was. I was around. And Amy's just sort of like waiting while Trey and him are talking. And people start lining up in front of Amy. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you pick five? Here, here. Sign she signed about five books. Yeah. It was and, adorable. And, and I, a line started to form. And I said, I, I'm going to start taking their tickets any second now. Because yeah. it was a ticket deal. Like, right, you buy right. a t- ticket for five. And Carrie Fisher costs you four tickets. And, you know. Right. Parmentier costs you two and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm going to start taking tickets. Where do we cash these bad boys? <laughs> all right. <laughs> the moment has come. Eddie, let us hear. Yeah. So I had, I, had the, I had the, Amy, obviously more than me, but, but I have had the experience of walking around Comic-Con and people go, hey, Trey. And I'm like, oh, God. That's what? No, uh, hello. You know, and I just, I have no, I have no ability to handle that at all. I'm just like, I, uh, I recall I'm, the wor- I'm the worst celebrity if you think I'm a celebrity, which I am not. But if you treat me like a celebrity, celebrity, you're going to get the worst response you've ever seen because I, I just have no clue how to respond. Like, hi. Was it Comic-Con <laughs> or C2 or something, but someone came dressed as Pink 5? Like someone cosplayed oh, yeah. Pink 5? That was, yeah. That was, I've seen that a couple star, times. Star, yeah. Yeah, Star. Well, star who, star who, who, who ended up being a uh, bridesmaid. bridesmaid in Amy's wedding Yeah, because they became uh, such good friends. Um, I, I'll just do, like, I do have a few, but I'll just kind of do, like, a greatest hits style, like, through the years. Like and Joel. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so, um. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, hang on one second. So, uh. For the Comic-Con was great. So, there was one one year, and we'll go out of order, no, no particular order to anything. Um, but uh, but uh, <laughs> but Teague dropped something horrible apparently. Uh, but uh, one year walking to the convention center from from where I had parked, I think, and I see Serge Tonkin from um, from uh, System of a Down. Down, and he's walking, and there's lots of people around us. There's probably about a hundred people around us, and I look at him, and I have that we have this whole silent <laughs> conversation Doink. where he's just walking, sipping a smoothie. He looks up, I see him, and I do a, huh? Because, hey, dude, bro, I'm from Glendale. Uh, and so I, I, I knew of system from a little while ago. So I saw, I saw Serge, I'm like, huh? And I look at him, and he kind of gives me this look like, don't say anything. Like, and, then, <laughs> and then I just kind of like nod in sort of like a, hey, I appreciate you, and I'm glad to see you here. In parentheses, I'm not going to out you in front of like a million nerds right now. And then he kind of like... Like suddenly he, all the zombies turned fresh meat. <laughs> and then he kind of does this sigh and this nod back like, thank you, sir, for not outing me in front of all this. Have a good day. You too. All this was done in glances as in, in the span of about five seconds, we just had this silent moment. I had that between. same conversation with Peter O'Toole once. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. One year I was one year I was big on autographs. Like I just, I, not autographs, but sketches. I, I'm like, you know, it's getting more about movies. I think it was like 2002. 
I'm like, say more about movies. I want to just celebrate the artists and let the artists know that I appreciate them. So I was going around and I was getting, uh, if you have a sketchbook, you can oftentimes get artists at different booths to sign things for you. So I go to this one indie Vertigo DC comic booth, I think, and I get there was one artist who I recognized and two guys I didn't. I get the artist to do a cool little thing. Another guy was doing this Edgar Allan Poe comic in Photoshop entirely. And so he didn't really draw. He's like, but I can do a quick post sketch for you. I'm like, great. And then there's this other gentleman there. And I'm like, uh, sir, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't know who you are, but if, if I'd love to have a sketch, if that's all right. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not an artist. I'm a writer, but I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to do a doodle for you. Because, and keep in mind, this table was bare empty. There was no one in line, nothing. He does a quick sketch of a monkey and writes in a, um, a word balloon, ook, ook, a little <laughs> capuchin monkey. It was Brian K. Vaughn, who is a writer for Lost. Uh, he's a big screenwriter now, and he's the creator. That comic book that was just launching that he was telling me about was Why, Why the, the Last Man. Why the last man. And that was Ampersand, the monkey that he yeah. drew. And so to this day, I have a very crudely stick figure monkey <laughs> autographed by Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, I ended up getting Harry Housen signing that book a little bit later and all this other stuff. Um, let's see. One year in particular was uh, – oh, uh, the, as far as panels go, the, the single best panel I ever went to was Serenity before uh, when they yeah. – Oh, you were there? I was there for that one. And it was fucking amazing. And I had just gotten into the show on DVD. I had just gotten into it. And this was 2004. And uh, I just got into the show. I'm like, wow. And, and I'm a huge Joss fan. But, like, for some reason, Serenity took a minute for me to, to kind of get into but we we show up and the panel was advertised as just Joss Whedon, and so we roll up there. This, uh, this was a famous story. So famous yeah, the fact story. That you yeah. actually saw it in person. Is, uh, so great. so I walk in there and we sit down. We're excited. We get up. We had been to the, the. This was a ballroom twenty panel, but we had gotten there a panel early. Yay! Okay, um, better off dead. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> or, or, or dead like me. It was a dead like, dead me, like panel. me. Oh yeah, and my buddy dead like me. My buddy was a huge fan of dead like me. And afterwards, like, the room cleared out. He went up and started talking to Brian Fuller. And Brian Fuller, like, gave him writer advice and gave him his email and said, yeah, stay in touch. Let me know what you're up to. Like, he made a really good connection. This is like, you know, you, you could still do that back in the day. Um, so then we sit down, Serenity. We're excited. Other Whedon nerds around us, yay. Um, and sure enough, I'm like, that's an awfully big table for just jobs <laughs> like that's and they didn't have name tags out but they yeah. they had mic set up so i'm like yeah. it looked like the last supper with no one there it re- yeah. yeah well uh, joss came out to the lectern to the left and i'm like why is he not center stage because i've been to jo- a few joss whedon panels before and like and uh, the one pre-firefly where he he was talking and he showed like the he showed the kelly gets shot scene from firefly before the show ever happened and he gave his description of the show and all this other shit and so he's like um well i told you i'd bring a surprise <laughs> I brought nine, and he brings out the entire cast and crew. Place loses its fucking that mind. Was a, that was a pretty good uh, Joss Whedon impression. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> you just have to talk slowly and enunciate everything as your voice fluctuates. And a very up slight and lisp. And a just very, a very, very slight, slight lisp. Joss Whedon. Anyway, um, so, uh, so he does that whole spiel. The crowd just goes fucking bug nuts. And the entire panel is great, and you can clearly see which half of the cast Comic-Con has scared the fuck out of. <laughs> yeah. Not Marina Baccarin. She's into it. But um, really? Simon. <laughs> yeah. He's just sitting there just like wide-eyed, like, I don't know what to do with this. Both the Tam siblings were just, just didn't know what the fuck to make out of it. I was 
Fucking loved oh. it. He <laughs> ate it up. He Philly ate it Comic Con is a fishing spoon. Philly will go to any convention. Him and Jane get him, to him and Jane. And by the but and when it came to the question and answer portion, anytime someone had a question for Adam Baldwin, it was like question for Animal Mother, like <laughs> <laughs> like without fail. Like yeah. I don't know if it's one guy who did it and then everybody else felt the need to follow up, whatever. Someone eventually asked Nathan Philly a question. Like it was like a deep character question. Like uh, like what you know what do you constantly go back to in your characterization of of uh, Mal. And and he and he sits there and he kind of just really contemplates it and he's like, well, when I think about Mal, the one thing that's always important to remember is that no matter what, in any situation he's in, he has the legs of a dancer, <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 every and it's just it's just this great like everyone in the, in the room is in a great mood front and back back and forth. They showed the extended trailer, including the first time that um, Rivers says Reavers, and the crowd lost its fucking mind. Like, yeah, we're gonna finally see Reavers. Uh, and there were there were Wonder Woman questions because Joss was writing Wonder Woman at the time. There was all sorts of shit. Like it was yeah. oh yeah, like they're gonna give him a comic book movie. Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I mean, that, and that and like in a there was a panel I went to a couple years after that where it was jo- Joss had just gotten booted off of. Uh, Wonder Woman, Doctor Horrible hadn't happened yet. Uh, uh, Dollhouse wasn't like he wasn't doing anything. Why are you even here? Like why are you even here? Yeah, it was that. And, and I remember being sad. Like there's like there's like the room was full, but there was no wait. Like I got in pretty easily. I'm like, oh my god, what's happening to my Josh? And uh, and I was like kind of worried for the guy. And I actually got to go up and ask a question, and then and he gave a really great articulate answer. And like, but at the end of it, I remember him saying. Like as everybody was about to dismiss, he he was doing like a web comic, and he was he was just in between shit. He wanted to do a ballet with with um with Summer Summer Glau. He wanted to do like a one act ballet with her because she's a ballet dancer. And he wanted to like do a thing, but it was all just <laughs> independent shit. And so at the end of it, as everybody was getting up to leave, he's like, "Hold on, everybody, stay for just a second. I just want to say something." He's like, "This last year and a half has been the most professionally challenging of my entire career, and I would not make it through if not every single one of you." And so, I mean, he just, he, he went into more detail, but he like, it was just this really kind of quiet, beautiful moment of like someone giving back to and like having a creator sort of resonate exact in that same sort of frequency with the audience. And that if, if there's one good thing to take away from Comic-Con is that moments like that still happen, whether it's like the Tron panel that I got to sit in and do, you know, and, and like the, people feel it. And that's if there's anything to be if there's any benefit to be had of this huge modern gilded age of Comic-Con at its greatest, probably, uh, or at its grandest, I should say. It's that is that those moments like that are still possible. Yeah, you know that, that, I mean? actually, that's my panel experience. The panels I've been to, which isn't that many, but I or, you know, over the years I have been to a few, or just sort of like, oh, there's no line, I'll go see this. But there's a, there is a definite difference. There are the people who are really, whether they're whether they're familiar with Comic Con or not, whether they're, they're thrilled to be there, they're excited, they're they're loving the fan interface, and then there are people like, okay, uh, it's in your contract that you have to go down and you have to you know do this Q and A and do a photo session, and they're like, okay, fine, whatever, and they you know and they're just there because it's part of the job of being whatever actor they are in whatever show or movie they're on, right? But yeah, but the people who like really like dig Comic Con and Star Sweden is one. The the Lost Cast always used to have such oh fun. yeah, the so, Lost Cast so would have fun. such a hoot with the uh, with the uh, with that. I was in the Lost panel that one year where they were giving the away gifts. Her- was the one was that the year that Hurley asked a question? From Hurley the was the year before, but he okay. can't he can't. Or no, no, that was the year of Hurley because they gave him the jar of mayonnaise, and yes. Hurley was happy. Like yeah. the zoo came up dressed exactly as Hurley, looked exactly like Hurley, and they were giving away gifts. So like for every question, they had this giant box of like set goodies. 
and they would just decide on the fly what they should pair somebody up with. And so they saw Hurley, and it's kind of fucked up, but it was really funny. Um, so Hurley asks a question, like, okay, cool. Uh, and, like, what should we give Hurley? Ah, I know. And they pull out a giant tub of Dharma mayonnaise. Right. And they cut and the, on the monitor, they cut back to the Hurley, and he's got this giant grin on his face. Oh. And it was just like, that's so sweet. Um, it's too bad the show sucks. I've got, I've got two that I just remembered, actually, <laughs> yeah. panel-wise. But um, I was at the, um, the Expendables panel nerd. The, the year that happened. Nerd, and, nerd, uh, nerd, 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 nerd. Well, the awesome thing was that Bruce Willis, he's not a major character in the Expendables. I guess he's going to be bigger in Expendables too, but he just really has a cameo in uh, Expendables for like one scene. So he wasn't really on the panel, but he showed up for the panel (laughs) and he wandered on stage just so drunk, so clearly (laughs) drunk. And they're like, we better, Bruce is here, Bruce is here, sit aside, you know, uh, there's an empty, there's an empty mic, scoot over, and he he just kind of sat there and was, I mean, he was very positive about, he, you know, thought it was a great movie, and and he loved working with Sly, and and blah, 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 and was very positive about the whole thing, but the whole time, everyone is up there waiting for the other shoe to drop, because they could just tell that it it was like he wasn't invited, he didn't know he was going to come. We're about to be next to whatever YouTube clip is on every blog tomorrow. He crashed, He's gonna throw. He's gonna like fall off the table or something. He crashed the Expendables panel, and then the the mayonnaise story reminded me of. I went to um, uh, when Watchmen was coming out on DVD. um, They showed the extended cut of it at at Comic Con. It was like the first place you could see it, but they showed it with Zack Snyder sitting there giving like a live commentary, and people could (laughs) could ask questions or people could you know write in like he had kind of like we do. He had a little chat Mm -hmm. room for people to ask questions, so it was like. It, it was a kind of special commentary that that would only happen on that you know that one occasion when they were doing like uh, BD Live stuff. They were still trying to make that happen. Like that was a oh, um, okay. a thing. If you bought the Blu-ray, like you got a, a pass where you could log in at this date and time to actually participate in it and stuff like that. Um, so that was cool. Um, and we we wanted to see that and see what he had to say, and and it was cool. But he. At one point, he expressed that he hadn't really had anything to eat. (laughs) And over the course of the thing, like, people just kind of came up and, like, someone came up and just gave him, like, a jar of peanut butter. And then a little later, he's like, all right, I'm not sure what to do with this. I don't have any. Someone comes up with a loaf of bread and just puts it on. And he's like, I can't. And then, like, it just escalated. Like, there were there were utensils and people had stacks of paper plates they were giving him. And he's like, what is happening? What is going on here? So so they it's like up. random congoers? Or yeah. was it like staff? They're like, oh, he said, Zach said he needs food. No. So. It was, it, was, it was just material. random people who had this stuff, and they just slowly collected this <laughs> feast on the dais for him. Sharing their rations. <laughs> yeah. Someone's, someone's, someone's calling their friend going, stop at the 7-Eleven, get yeah. a box of napkins right now. That happened to us once. One time we were like, we're really hungry. I'm, I'm not really in the mood for a little, or whatever we had said. And all of a sudden, the doorbell rings, right. and Matt had ordered us a yeah. pizza from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I love Matt. Which is harder to do than Matt. you would think. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's technology. Um, there, was a, there was one year where I was at the field. The field is my favorite place to drink in San Diego. It is voted the best Irish pub in all of San Diego. It's in the gas lamp. It's off K Street. It's right up the street from there. I go there often, and it's like Irish fucking pub. One night, me, my friend Damien, and my friend Scott, uh, same the Futurama guy, are sitting there. All of a sudden, this gigantic Scotsman like with long black hair and a black goatee and like two full sleeves sits down and is like, how the fuck are we like that? And I'm like, 
is this guy cosplay? What? Like, I didn't, I didn't know this guy from Adam. And he just starts talking to us in this thick Scottish accent and buys us drinks and just starts talking to us. I'm like, I don't know what's happened, but hey, whatever. And so we just start talking and he's Turns gone. out he was a Games of Thrones cosplayer. No, he's the writer <laughs> of Lobo, the comic book. Oh. I didn't know, never interact before or since. I don't know if it's this bizarre fever dream. I don't know. Like, it just, it happened. I'm like, this actually happened. Like, all three of us were there. And, like, because I had taken a picture of my show and my friend Frida's like, oh my God, that's whoever. He's the writer of Lobo. And I'm like, I guess he's our friend now. I, I don't, I don't, does he own us? I don't know what kind of law <laughs> this is now. Am I married to him? I don't, like, I don't know what sort of, was this a ritual? Like, I don't, I don't know what just happened. Um, and, <laughs> And then uh, my my other like kind of little quick one was um, 2004 Comic Con walking around, literally just on the show floor checking out the smaller booths. Turn around in front of me, John Landis, just nice. in his suit, careful with a bag. <laughs> He's just doing the exact same thing I'm doing, which is just right. looking at indie comics, looking at weird Japanese toys. He's just doing the exact same thing, and I look around and. It was almost like the Serge Tonkin conversation, except there was no one there, so I could actually use words. And I say, like, I, I don't want to bother you, but do you mind if I get a quick photo? I'm, a, I'm just you're, you're one of my idols. Like, I just, I've, I would love to have a photo with you. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And he was just very, very calm and just very sort of like, hey, I'm John Landis. We take the photo, and for the single frame that the photo was taken, he got this big smile, and he pointed at me like, like I'm anything. And he's like, "This guy, like that." And it he was photobombed you. He, he, but yeah, but it's like it's just the two of us. But he, like, but like I have this look friends. of like pride, and I think I'm welling up. I don't know, and like, and he's just like this guy right here. It was on my, it was on my MySpace photo forever, I think. But you know, just things like that. Keep well, yeah, cool. when we were at Comic Con last year, with some artist that Gabe knew, right? We were talking to. Do you remember this? We were talking to some artist that Gabe knew, yeah. who I guess had been an animator at Disney or something. And then this other guy, older guy, comes up and starts and knows this animator from somewhere. And it's like, and then the in, like two minutes later, introductions like finally go around. It's like, oh yeah, this is so and so. He directed Aladdin. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Ah, 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 ah. My my. Probably along those lines, my, my experience at Comic-Con that is, is certainly the most memorable was, is, I guess, th- probably three, maybe three years ago, um, when I went, it was just after we'd shot Ark, and, uh, and literally we shot Ark like the weekend, like the week before, mm. and, uh, and I bashed together a trailer, and uh, Teague was involved in bashing that trailer, so I guess you would have been, that was back when you were at my place, probably. Yeah, um, I think so. Bashed Maybe. out. I don't remember. Bashed out a trailer, um, and then because uh, I was invited to like be in a booth, like do a thing at the Adam booth. And I was like, "Hey, the Pink Five guy, you want to do a thing in our booth?" And I was like, "Yeah." I came and I promoted Ark, <laughs> and Renee came and used the booth to sign autographs. So, so <laughs> Renee and I like did a little grassroots thing. So, um, you know, so so we're, we're she she had an event to go to, and then I we'd separate, but then we get back together again and do another booth thing or whatever else. And we're doing this promotion of Ark. We'll put the DVD into any screen that we could get it into. Um, I think it was that year, if not, it was the year after that we both were Comic Con. But she said, um, "I got her, that that year. I got her into a party." Um, that I happened to get invited to this party and Stan Lee was there and so on. So I, and so I guess it was the year after that we were both at Comic-Con again and she said, I think I can, I've got, I've got an invite to the sci-fi party. Um, I think I can get you in. And so, and so, all right, let's, let's go. So, so it was, it was Renee and her manager, Michelle and Gabe Sachs, who was, who we hooked up with and me all went to crash the sci-fi channel party. <laughs> and it was the year that sci-fi was just announcing their new rebranding. It was, they had just become sci-fi. S-Y-F-Y. S-Y-F-Y. Yeah. Right. 
Sippy. Sippy. And Which, it was a, I got to say, and I didn't mean to cut you off, the one great thing Sci-Fi does every year for Comic-Con is they take over Cafe DM yeah. and they make it into the best breakfast place in all of Con. Proceed. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the... The uh, the we go there and and we had to do some like double talk at the uh, at the door to like oh there were, we're guests you know and G- Gabe's a television producer he's done, produced like ten you know ten ten television shows and we are, we're like yeah we're with them <laughs> we're, we were like pretending we're like the dates of you know the the chick from Xena and her manager like. <laughs> Yeah, we're no, we're totally yeah. Like, hey, sweetie, come on. <laughs> you know, it's like we're trying to play this vibe like we're dating. It's like we're on a double date. Um, and so we, you know, we 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 they they said all right, fine, go in. Uh, we had to go down the red carpet. We had to do the the photo. We had to do the photo photo thing. And I'm like, I wh- oh, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> so so Gabe and I go go uh, down. We're going down the photo thing and. Um, we're standing on either side of Renee and just like, boom, boom, boom. I've never been like paparazzi before. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. This is horrifying. And uh, and then like the, and the paparazzi, you have to give them their credit. They recognize Renee. You know, she hasn't been on television in a decade, but they knew who she oh, was, yeah. you know. And they're like and they, one of them said, hey, gentlemen, would you mind giving us a photo? Of just the lady and Gabe and I were like, no problem. And we 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 left like little Roadrunner tracer lines like. <laughs> vanished get me the fuck out of here exactly and there's a there's a great picture it was on I swear to god it was on Getty Images there's a great picture of Renee standing there head to toe literally I swear to god in the corner of the frame the bottom corner left you can see Gabe's shoe leaving and on the bottom <laughs> corner right you see my shoe <laughs> leaving it's fantastic oh it's, like, it's like look my, my the toe of my shoe is on Getty Images so we, we work our way down um, I was then I, I, I got past Renee because she was bogged down with photographers and I bumped right into the the next woman in line who was who was in the next and it was um zoe bell yeah mm. and so and, like she turns around like oh i'm sorry excuse me and i'm like no 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 problem she goes oh this is crazy isn't it oh it's totally crazy and then renee comes up and she knows zoe bell because zoe was in a stunt double and they were you know zoe probably spent more time next to renee than lucy lawless in her clothes exactly Trey, this is very important was zoe bell the most lovely creature of all time she was very cute and very fun and uh, australian is all get out or new zealander or whatever she's from kiwi new zealand i guess yeah. and then so renee goes how do you guys know each other? <laughs> we just met eight seconds ago in line, but we feel like we're all friends. So we finally we get through that whole clusterfuck and we get in. And I have to say, the sci-fi party was it was it was geek heaven as far as like right. everybody everybody was there. Yeah. The entire <laughs> cast of Battlestar Galactica was at right. this party. The entire cast and there other people, not even sci-fi people, came to this party. Right. So the entire cast of freaking Lost was in that room. <laughs> the cast of Battlestar Galactica, the cast of Eureka. J.J. Um, Abrams comes walking through. <laughs> um, I'm sitting down next. I, I just grab a drink and I'm sitting down and I realize I'm sitting next to the cast of Warehouse 13 or like, you know, at the next cubic. I'm, I got my, you know, my Saul Rubinek and I are like, you know, bumping spines i'm like oh okay um which is you know not a euphemism for anything by the way but <laughs> and it was just everybody there was was somebody and i'm there with you know renee and renee's actually she's not very hollywood and she's not you know she and she hasn't been on the air a lot lately um and for someone who's like people will geek out when they see her she's actually kind of shy and and doesn't really do those kind of things right. so she you know, i'm sitting here with the star of you know the co-star of xena and we're nerding out i'm like look there's so and so she's like oh my god that's so cool <laughs> and we're like, we should really go to I, like, I know we should go talk to these people you have cred you were on a tv show you can go talk to them she goes 
oh, there's Kevin Sorbo. I was like, well, no, it doesn't count if you go out to talk to Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you worked with him. You were, you were on the same show together. That you probably count. have his number. Yeah, so because yeah, they're friends, so she yeah. had to she had to go. Talk to, so she she abandoned me to go talk to Kevin Sorbo for a while. So I circulated <laughs> around, um, and I'm I'm just sort of like I'm really just going. Everybody's here. Jennifer uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt is here, and uh, everybody everybody right. is there. And and I'm just the NBCU family. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm just going. This is this is this is really amazing. And and then I happen to be sitting there, and I just look across the room, and a group of people, and I go, and that is Joss Whedon. <laughs> That's Joss Whedon standing over there. He he was very much to himself yeah. at the Comic-Con. Well, he, right? he he started to himself. He and, tries. And then another yeah. dude came up and started talking to him. I'm like, oh, yeah, see, you know, someone else was... No, that guy talking to him is Nathan Fillion. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. So that's Joss Whedon and Nathan Fillion talking over there. And now some other good... And that, uh, that is goddamn Adam Baldwin who has just joined them. <laughs> and now Nathan Fillion and Adam Baldwin and Joss Whedon are having a chat. And uh, who's this blonde guy with his back to me? Of course that's Alan Tudyk. Who else would that be? <laughs> yes, I'm watching those four guys... <laughs> they're all very tall, or they seem very tall to me. <laughs> and they're all just, they're just like. Joss is a little tall, yeah. They're just, they're yeah. just chatting, you know, and they're mm. just having fun, like, hey, you know, I'm just, you know they, it's an opportunity. I'm going, come on, Marina Baccarin, come on, Jewel <laughs> State, where are you? Um, it was only those four, I regret uh, to say. Only. Uh, only the four of them. Your story sucks. Yeah, I know. It doesn't. <laughs> Come back with a real story. Yeah, but it was that kind of party. Not even and, Gina Torres, huh? Not even, no, no, not Gina no. Torres, I'm afraid. But um, actually, the nicest, the, most, the greatest moment was um, Renee, uh, we're, we're like, somebody, we should go talk to somebody. We need to go talk to somebody. We need to, like, do some. And she goes, oh, there's... Um, uh, sanctuary uh, at Stargate. Uh, uh, Amanda Man- Tapping. Amanda Tapping. She goes, There's Amanda Tapping. I've talked to her before. She's nice. Let's go talk to her. I'm like, All right. All right, sure. <laughs> you go. You, Whatever. You're my, you're my shield. You're my human shield. <laughs> go talk to Amanda Tapping. I was like, and I've told this to you before. Amanda Tapping, in person, not in character, looks like she should be running a bed and breakfast at Torquay. She looks like Basil Fawlty's wife. She's, <laughs> she, she's like, she, she's wearing like a print dress and she had her hair and she's like, oh, hello, how are you? Oh, it was very nice to meet you. Oh, we, we just did a web series. It was all like, you know, like sanctuary, like green screen. Oh, good luck with that. That's very nice. She's like, she's a, she's a middle-aged British lady is what right. Amanda Tapping actually is in real life. Apparently from the North. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and so just so it's like, I'm looking at this, you know, she, she should be someone's grandmother and presumably is, but I'm uh, like, and yet you're a TV star. Somehow. And yet she's a science fiction. She's somehow a sex symbol. Yeah, right. you're a sci-fi sex right. symbol TV star. Right. Anything is possible in this world. <laughs> well, so there was uh, yeah. That was that was for me the geeking out moment. You know, the 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 awards was the greatest moment personally. But right. That was I've never been in a geek festival of just. I can't believe I'm in a room with this many of these people. <laughs> On the complete opposite end of fame, uh, for my um, un unironically. Biggest geek out moment in all of Comic Con, two thousand eight or nine, I want to say. Um, if you know me at all, you know my love for the movie Bloodsport. Um, <laughs> if you, if you know me at all, uh, and if you know my love of Bloodsport, you know that a good thirty percent of that love is for the score by a gentleman by the name of Stan Bush, who also did the music for Kickboxer, and he did fam- most famously "You Got the Touch" for the original Transformers oh, animated no, series, I got it. and which was parodied by Marky Mark and Boogie Nights and all this you other got stuff. The power. Totally as well, but I mean, not, not to. I mean, I'm into like album cuts on the Bloodsport soundtrack. I'm I'm like deep into this cobweb of this thing. Um, <laughs> I'm on are, are, are you the one that maintains the Bloodsport wiki? I'm. <laughs> I won't say I've never contributed, but um, well, I, when I someone gets their facts wrong, I mean, you have to. I do wouldn't. Something. Yeah, because you're still. <laughs> you're still the knight is is whatever. Um, <laughs> don't, don't even get into it. So anyway, so. 
one year, like Damien and I always have like this ritual of we go through the program on Wednesday night on preview night and we start plotting our, <laughs> our plan. Plus with the new Comic-Con app, you can sort of build your own schedule. And we're like, holy fuck, Stan Bush is here. He's at a booth for something <laughs> completely unrelated to anything. Like he was just there. It was like, it was like brand new linoleum polish with Stan Bush. It was like it was com- it had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> he was he was demonstrating a Vitamix. I guess I don't know, but but it said he will be at this booth and will perform live. Whoa. And I'm like, my life is. And Sean is with us, and 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 Sean and I's friendship at the Colonel was our mutual love of blood sport. Like that, that's what blossomed everything out from there. And so we go there, and Damien's girlfriend Melissa is with us. And she just stood to the side. She's like, I've never seen the three of you so happy, like legitimately <laughs> happy in, at the same time, like for something. We go up, we meet him, and we're like, we're just really big fans, and we're just, we love, we love, uh, we just love you guys a touch. And we love, we love, and I'm like, and I love uh, Fight to Survive by Bloodsport. He forgot he had done it. He had oh. forgot he had done that song. I'm like, that's how amazing he is. He didn't even know he did. <laughs> he didn't even know he did Fight to Survive. I sing that as a lullaby to my son. I'm not joking. And so he, so, so he's, he, and I'm getting, I'm getting emotional about this, but he, he like, I'm, we're like, are you going to perform? He's like, yeah, I'm going to try to perform. He's like, I only have my acoustic with me, but they're kind of like some noise. I'm like, fuck the rules. Like, dude, get up there. Like, dude, dude. you've got so, the power. You've got the touch. He's like, okay. He's like, yeah, I've got t-shirts and CDs. I'm like, we're buying everything. And so he gets up there and he starts to sing. You got the touch acoustic. We're just like so happy. We're just so, so happy. The security, the security guard in the background is like, bring it down a little bit there. And so then he starts to, he starts to go like MTV Unplugged soft singing, like, after all is said and done. Like, he's starting to do the, the whole song. And then, he, and then he tried to remember Fight to Survive, but by that point they made him sort of shut it down. Each of us bought two shirts. I would hope so. One to wear, one to autograph. Yeah. All those autographed shirts have gotten framed at this point by all three of us. Uh, it's, I'm not joking. Like about any, I'm not being ironic. Oh, I know you're not. So, like, so we did that. We left, and Melissa was just in tears laughing at us. She's like, I've, I've never seen this. We ended it by getting a photo that's Stan Bush in the center. Sean is a very tall guy. Damien's pretty tall. Stan is, of course, he's tall. And so they're sort of in the thing. I'm in the background just with my arms up like this, just <laughs> ecstatic. And it's, I mean, that's, that's what, it's one of my greatest Comic-Con moments, period. I, I had one more, one more adjunct to my sci-fi story is I stepped outside um, to have a cigarette like I do. Um, and and the, most, of the, most of the, you know, the, the paparazzi had all gone away. It was toward the end of the party. Things were kind of winding down, but people were still kind of showing up. Um, and a guy comes, comes up. To the, there was still someone watching the rope, you know, didn't just let anybody in. This guy comes up and, and someone he, could go in there and bomb all of the sci-fi. Exactly, channels. I know. Just my God, you could destroy you pop culture for ten years. Imagine, like, I'm, I'm, I'm lost to be off the air now. Boom, you know, there <laughs> it is, gone. Uh, no more Velocity Whale. Which, yeah, it would be a, be a, be a quite a twist, as a matter of fact. Um, I'm going to kill J.J. Abrams and the entire cast of Lost. Take that, ABC. But I'm standing there, and this is kind of quiet on the street, but there is still the guy at the door, you know, making sure that the riffraff doesn't come in. And this this guy comes walking up the sidewalk and he's like um hi i'm sorry i should um i i'm i think i'm supposed to be on a list but i don't know and uh, and the guy's giving him this look like you know well you're i can tell you're not on tv so you know <laughs> and and uh you know so he's like well what's the name and i'm sitting there and i go his name's phil plate whoa and and, phil, and he plate looked at me like doink and i was like gotcha buddy <laughs> <laughs> got your back on this because i'm behind the rope i'm like i 
I'm on. If I can get in, you're in. Don't worry about it. But uh, that was my that was my rock star moment. Was I recognized Phil Plate, and Phil Plate was surprised and pleased that I I actually did. You re- fist bump and then right off into the sunset with Stan Bush playing because that would have been awesome. <laughs> that was, I, I wish if had I known that Stan Bush was available. Did you have a conversation after that? Sort of like, oh, thanks, bro. I, actually, we had a conversation on Twitter because like like a month later, a month later. Um, uh, Phil, or uh, sometime later, Phil Plate on Twitter said, "Because I follow him, he said, uh, he said, hey, so who, who, uh, who follows me that I should be following back?" And I'm like, "I'm that guy that recognized you at the sci-fi party. Boom, follow." <laughs> 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 anyway, we should wrap this up. But Comic Con, uh, I want someone real quick just to acknowledge. Uh, Pastor MacMan had a question: What's the best way to spend one day at Comic Con? What's a little short list of don't miss stuff? Blasted. Uh, I'm not. Hmm. I, I, I all I can say is the tin fish, man. That's all I got. There's a little. There's a nice little restaurant outside of Comic Con. It's right behind those fountains. It's right out front of the the building, and I always like going there and getting fish and chips. Never too busy. I, yeah, it's no, it's really it's weird good. that it's not because it's like right there and it's really good. Good food. Beer. There's a bar. Yeah. Anyway, really, the the real answer to the question is well, it, as as we've said, there's so many things that Comic Con is. Mm-hmm. It's like what is it you want? I mean, do you want to see a preview of an upcoming movie? Do you want to get someone's autograph? Do you want to buy merchandise? I right. Mean, it's it's like you, you need to sort of know in advance so you can target that if you only have a day. Right. The ma- I mean, and that's kind of like, and, and to actually talk about the documentary a little bit, but like, mm-hmm. to, and to kind of tee off on that, though, that's what the film does well is sort of, and if you, if you haven't seen the film, the film is available in select theaters. It's on iTunes. Uh, it's called Comic-Con Episode 4, A Fan's Hope. And it's um, directed by Morgan Spurlock, produced by Harry Knowles, Joss Whedon, Morgan Spurlock, and... Uh, Stan Lee, uh, just some people you may <laughs> or may not a know. A random group just of random guys. Group of people. But they're all people who recognize what Comic-Con is. It features interviews with fucking everybody in the movie. Um, and it's sort of loosely, it doesn't try to follow the history of Comic-Con. It's not, it's not a historical documentary. It follows six sort of, not really interconnecting stories, but standalone stories of people who go to Comic-Con for various reasons. And I would say, of all the people who have ever tried to describe the Comic-Con um, the film comes the closest. It pretty much covers everything. It's after the movie, I turned to my friend and I'm like, that's, that's the convention. They don't really cover San Diego itself as much, but it shouldn't, it's not a tourism video, but the, the film covers this girl, uh, Holly Conrad, who is a costume designer and she's huge into the mass effect video games. And I saw her at the masquerade one year, but she basically, she's this young girl from Bakersfield, Bakersfield. And she designs these amazingly articulated with servos, you know, and puppet controlled, uh, masks of all these Mass Effect characters, and she goes and she completely annihilates the um, the uh, the masquerade. But you see why she's into it. There's two gentlemen, two different gentlemen who are aspiring artists, and they go to this thing called Artist Alley, which is still as popular as it ever was. Where if you want to get into comic drawing, you can have peer reviewed work by actual editors and other artists. And those two guys go with have different styles, they have different sort of varying success levels. Uh, the owner of Mile High Comics sort of tells his story of being the veteran there all 40 years, and he's trying to sell this one comic that's worth, I think, $285,000. Um, and he's debating selling it because he's sort of like on the other end of it where he's just like, oh, I'm, you know, this is kind of kind of sad. My my, It's the twilight of the of the comic days, uh, no pun intended. There's, um, oh, and, there, and my favorite is uh, this gentleman who met his girlfriend at Comic-Con a couple of years prior and he mainly goes for the panels and he's going to propose to her at Kevin Smith's panel and like, and at the Q and a, he's going to get up and propose. And that 
story is hysterical because she's this amazing girlfriend who just doesn't want to leave his side. He's like, well, do you want to go off on your own and go see it? He's like, no, I just want to do whatever you want to do, honey. He's like, I need to pick up the rain. <laughs> Fuck. Like he's just, he's just, you just see this nice guy just like stirring and like, he's just, he's panicking, trying to like find a way to make this work. It's these really endearing human stories that interconnect and all throughout it's sprinkled with interviews from everybody from Stanley, Joss Whedon, Thomas Jane, um, everyone, Zach, Kevin Smith, Zachary Quinto, uh, I mean, everybody, like literally everybody. Um, Guillermo's in there, like everybody's in there, but also fans giving their perspective. My only criticism is that after a while, those drop-ins get a bit repetitive. Like they start covering sort of the same ground. There's no real build or escalation or like point it arrives at. It sort of presents its point and then just reiterates throughout. But the stories are charming enough to where you, you're invested. And even if you don't know anything about Comic-Con, it, it's a pretty entertaining little documentary. So. I want to see it. I will go yeah. check it out. Anyway, until uh, next time, my name is T. Christie. Brian Pennefer. Mike Scott. Drew Stokes. And this has been Down in Front. Also go to our website, buy our shit, and go to the forum. Bye. Bye. See you at Comic Con. <laughs>